Wagwan, everybody. Welcome to the Dis Afimi History Podcast, where we'll be speaking about history and as well family history and how history relates in terms of Caribbean people um, for the present as well as in the past and how in the past what that does and brings forth for what we are going through at present and what we can learn from our history, from our family, and take that moving forward. So I do hope you enjoy the podcast. And if you like it, please ensure to subscribe, like, and review. Thank you. In this episode, I will be speaking with Paul Crooks, who is an author genealogist with a concentration in African-Caribbean ancestry, and we will be discussing the slave record in Jamaica. So let's have a listen actual record itself and what some of the different sections, because it can be very, I guess, challenging to kind of look at this document to kind of understand what everything is, because there's a lot of information, but a lot of new stuff in terms of the language that is used for this particular, for these particular documents indicating for these individuals. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Like when you look at uh, the record itself, it, it indicates, you know, the names, the color, the age, how many were male, how many were female, and the date, of course, when this was all signed off for. So it, right now, if we could just start with, I guess, with the names uh, of these uh, in particular, um, you know, they were considered to be, unfortunately, property. And what it would mean in terms for a name to be only just a single name or they had both a first and a last name. Okay. I mean, um, I, I do a series of talks uh, on um, the slave registers and um, I do do one on um, what's in the name where I sort of cover uh, quite a bit on um, how these names come about. But in essence, what's going on here is um, linked to uh, religion. Uh, it's uh, linked to how Euro-Creoles, and by Euro-Creoles, I mean Europeans born uh, in the Caribbean, um, chattel, you know, the ownership of, of, of human beings. So um, I don't know if you can sort of blow the, the, this up a bit so we can sort of yeah. focus in on, on a few of these names. Um, okay. But uh, um, the, one, the one that sort of sticks out that I can read quite clearly, um, you know, apart from sort of recognisable human names, is, is the name Oxford. That's when that sort of jumps out at me, which is at the bottom just above the, the females yeah. here. Now, um, often uh, uh, Africans in the Caribbean or, or enslaved ancestors were um, given uh, names linked to places um, like Oxford here in, in the UK, Oxford here in, in England, in fact, Oxford University. Um, and um, those tend to indicate the links that the so-called masters of the plantations, the, um, you know, the proprietors um, had with their motherland, their homeland. Um, and so um, they would often use uh, naming as slaves uh, or, or enslaved uh, ancestors to sort of, um, you know, strengthen uh, uh, those links with their, their motherland. So, um, so and, and you'll, you'll often see that. So, for example, on the, um, in terms of my research, you'll see names like Dublin, you'll see Cambridge, you'll see, um, you know, all sorts of names related to places in, 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 in Britain, Bristol, you know, cities often. Okay, so, um, and, and then um, there are, uh, and, and by the way, Oxford is an example of what, what, what I would call a diminutive name. Okay. You know, these short names where, with, with no surname, uh, no recognizable Christian name, in fact, 
um, you know, just short names, um, and uh, another word for diminutive name is slave name. Okay, so um, and and I, I I I classify slave names as different to Christian names because often these were names that um, um, were given to Africans um, through no choice of their own. And you can see this actually in this in this example in the other column you'll see African, but I guess we'll come up with that later. So um, the the other types of names you'll get are often names related to classical. Um, uh, uh, philosophical uh, figures like, um, you know, Caesar or um, Scipio or something like that, classic European figures, um, uh, classic history. And, um, and, uh, and you'll see other names um, that are uh, linked to uh, characteristics that um, the master, so-called master, um, thought that uh, Africans, particularly males, older Africans had, if I didn't necessarily mean older, just anybody African. So for example, you have names like uh, Samson, you know, indicating strength okay. um, and, and so on. So, and the list goes on. Um, now, when you see um, long names, so like uh, uh, Christian names, like William Clark, I think that is, uh, yes. William Clark Edwards, um, often, um, you, you you will find um, that those names are probably linked to enslaved folk who um, were baptized, whether forced to baptized or willingly baptized. Okay. Um, and so, um, uh, and certainly in relation to um, research on, to, in my into my ancestors, um, you will um, you'll understand that often this was a way of our ancestors throwing off their slave name and gaining a level of status and, and respect uh, in the communities yeah. um, which they were uh, held in bondage. Um, so, um, so, so that's the difference between these short names and uh, Christian names. Often Christian names were in a way a kind of act of resistance to these, these diminutive names that were slave names that were put on them. Um, and a way of trying to survive and gain a level of respect and dignity within their communities. So you might find that, for example, William Clark was 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 free, a free yes. black man, um, and you you would know the answer to that by looking at the baptism records and sort of comparing the, these registers with what you see here. Um, and um, I mean, I wouldn't put a, mon a lot of money on it, but I would I would um, I wouldn't be surprised if um, those with long names um, are people who have been baptized and the others, you know, have not been. And then there's the, with it, it, you know, still sticking with the names, but there, if you were born on a certain day of the week, you would get a standard name, right? In terms of, right. let's say, Cato or, you know, those types of things, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. Right. Okay. So, um, so, uh, uh, so, what, so, so you've seen names like that. Just clarification here, but you've seen you, you wouldn't have seen Sunday, for example, would you? No. Or a Saturday. No. Right. But you may see um, uh, a name like Ami, right, which is African. Okay. And and here's the thing, because um, uh, you can always um, identify um, somebody born locally um, who has a, a, an African mother mm -hmm. by the name that that person born locally was given. So often, um, uh, 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 
African names uh, associated with Ghana, so like, um, you know, the uh, Akan-speaking names um, will um, be associated with uh, days of the week. So Ami, for example, is associated with uh, born on Saturday. Kwamino, uh, which is the, the, the male name uh, equivalent to Ami, born on Saturday, so male born on Saturday, female born on Saturday. Um, Kojo, uh, Kweu, um, and so on. Um, um, you know, often um, these are names um, uh, of uh, Akan-speaking people who, you know, um, who have given their names, um, given their children uh, names related to the days of the week. Um, so, uh, and, and you will find prevalent in Jamaica at this time, um, African uh, names associated with Akan-speaking people of, of West Africa. Um, and that includes a number of nations, in fact, like the Fante and the yeah. Iwe and so on. Um, the, the Ga people um, uh, will often name um, uh, people, I think not necessarily after um, days of the week, but in terms of um, whether they're the first child, the second child, and so on. You, I've never seen Tete in there, but I mean, Tete is an example of a name where you are the second born um, and so on. So often African names have associations with um, you know, African culture and names of the weeks is, is part of that naming, which you wouldn't see so much in European. I don't think you see anybody called Thursday, Tuesday, Wednesday. You, you probably, you, I've never seen that in, in, uh, in this country, let alone in, in a record um, slave register. So, um, so wherever you see names, I don't know what, uh, where Cato comes from, but assuming that's Ashanti or Gar, then it will, you will be able to attach a meaning to that. The other thing about this as well is that often, um, the, um, the the way names African names are spelt, yes. you know, they're spelt phonetically, which means that when you see something like Kujo, okay, um, Kujo spelt nowadays is like K W O J O, um, but Kujo spelt in you know by the masters in, of plantations plantocracy, you know, uh, in their own phonetic way is C U D J O yeah. or C U D J O. E, you know, Joe, meaning, uh, you know, we recognise that English, European. So um, often people don't recognise African names because of the way they're phonetically spelt on these records. Definitely, yes, exactly. And the other thing is, of course, they indicated in these slave records the colour, the skin colour of these of these individuals. And how important was that? Because it, there is, again, it's all based on I guess the the race and um, in terms of how much whiteness may have been in their blood as to either de de determining it to be either um, quadroon, mulatto, mm. those types of, I guess, identifications um, mm. in that particular column. How important was, was that for in terms of indicating on the here on the slave record? Right, okay. Um, it, you can view importance from two perspectives. Often we view it from the European perspective, but, um, you know, Africans in the Caribbean would have had a perspective on this kind of thing as well, um, in terms of, you know, um, survival strategies and things like yes. that. But let, let's stick with the European perspective for now, because that's the one that I think people mostly associate with. So um, the, the, the whole importance of this colour column um, is related to um, a law that uh, um, um, imposed by uh, the British government, you know, um, which said that um, 
anybody who was um, white um, was free and anybody considered black or using this word colored here, colored. Okay, this is where colored comes from, by the way, you know, this color column. Okay, so anybody who was colored, in other words, who was categorized as non-white, okay, i.e., you know, and you'll see the, the various categorizations in this column. Uh, anybody who was deemed non-white was um, considered born enslaved, unless, of course, they were set free, okay? So um, so what you have here is, so, so the importance from the European perspective is, is really distinguishing between who's white and who's not, okay? And the reason why that appears in this register is because anybody that was deemed white would not be required by law to be included in this register. Anybody who was non-white was by law considered uh, enslaved. Um, well, if you're of African descent, by the way, because I, I guess you would have had other, um, you know, uh, mosquito Indians from, you know, South America uh, in, in, the, in Jamaica at the time. But you get what I'm saying. So you go down the column here and you'll see Negro, which was um, the name imposed on um, our ancestors, meaning black which is another name that was imposed on our ancestors, by the way, because before that we were um, Ashanti, we were Iwe, Fanti, and so on. But okay, we'll stick with the European perspective on this. So um, we, have, uh, we have Negroes, um, one, two, three, four, and then below this, um, uh, this uh, uh, categorization here, we have ditto, 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 ditto. Uh, laziness on the part mm -hmm. of Clark, who could not be bothered to keep writing Negro, so they wrote ditto. Uh, nowadays we have ditto marks, don't we? To, yes. Know. Yeah, okay, well, that's what that is, ditto. So everybody under, who's this, Harry George Aris? Yes. Uh, was categorized, it's not a name, just it's a categorization of um, being black, pure black, okay? Um, African, you know, uh, there, there's no mix there. Um, well, that you know, the master's prepared to go to any length to prove otherwise. There's no link with Europe. Um, but that's not necessarily true, as we, as, as we know. You know, when black people marry black people, it doesn't mean that they haven't got any European ancestry there. It just means that two dark people come together and you say, black, you know. But um, anyway, and then and then then they pick it up again and go Negro, Negro, and so on. But um, again, if you, if you look at the record that I have for particular plantation that I've um, you know researched um, mm -hmm. for my ancestors um, it's it's more consistent than this particular register and that's the thing um, because all registers have you know, slight nuances in the way things are recorded so you can't look at this and say well you know um, ditto means something else because you know when you get to William Byfield here he's they start back with the Negro thing it's just you know the, the nuances of each plantation but and a laziness here at some point and they resort to maybe somebody said to them well you can't do that just you know record it as it is so that's a nuance here. um so um and uh, this record is that there doesn't seem to be any mixing in this column but if you look at other records um, you'll see mulatto quadroon octroon and, and, on, and on it goes and um uh um, and, and that's various sort of mixing of africans in fact um if you um go to um uh, colonies in 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 uh in French Caribbean and Spanish Caribbean, um, officially there was 128 such classifications. Because what happens when you get a mulatto who has a child with a mulatto person, or a mulatto who has a child with a black person, you know, well, the offspring of that relationship was called Sambo, okay? 
and, and unarmed guns. So there's 128, which I don't know the full 128. But what I do know is that when you get to Octroom, you were considered white. Therefore, you know, um, when you were born, you were actually um, set free. The truth is, is that um, by the time you got to Musti and Mustafini, um, yes. you, you couldn't tell whether they were white or not. So, um, you know, the importance from a black perspective, having said all that, is that um, um, what, what, what you found is that the lighter your, the skin of your children, the more privileges and status they had access to. And so sometimes it was, you know, in your interest, if you didn't want the hardship to, you know, before your, your children that has befallen you, um, it was your, in, in your interest to, um, um, you know, nurture sort of lighter skinned children. Okay, um, and that was more survival strategy than anything else, because with those, ben you know, often if the children could receive those benefits and you might be able to sort of like some of that might rub off on you. So, um, you know, um, so often you see mulatto people, uh, not necessarily in the fields as such, that's not to say they weren't in the fields, they were, mm -hmm. but often um, there more chance of them progressing to skilled jobs like carpenters, um, you know, drivers and, and, and such like. So. Um, and if, 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 you, if you want a sort of more visible uh, example of that, um, you know, a more animated example, um, you look at Roots, um, yeah. you know, Alex Haley's Roots and, and, and watch that over and you'll see Chicken George, you know, how did he get that position? Ask yourself, you know, so yeah. Yeah, and I guess, you know, that's where the whole colorism as well comes from and stems from as well. Which is, yeah, the talk I did uh, yeah, last Sunday. Mm -hmm. Perfect, and then for, you know, then the next column it has for African and Creole. Mm. Again, another important um, indication of who, what the status would have been of that particular person in the Caribbean. And then in this case that we're looking at, we're looking at Jamaican records. Can you just explain a little bit more? Because I know when I first looked at this, I'm like, this is all new to me. I, I don't know what I'm, what, 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 what's, what I'm supposed to be deciphering from here. Okay, and it's called African Creole. Again, you see those ditto marks down here as well. So you see Creole, you know, these three. Uh, okay, what is that about? Well, um, why the British government um, wants to uh, know this, because this is a legal document, by the way. Yeah. Okay, so there's consistency right across the Caribbean in terms of Capone's record. Those, those headers remain as they are. Um, so what, why Britain wants to, to know that, I don't know. But what I can say is that... Um, uh, in terms of economic um, considerations, um, uh, Africans, the value of Africans was less than the value of Creoles. Creoles meaning born locally. It's not the Louisiana um, uh, you know, type definition of intermixing of yes. cultures, you know, a hybrid of cultures, French, African, you know, English, you know, and the dialects, you know, um, is you know somehow um, you know changed and the food it's nothing related to culture when we're talking about British history um, and indeed the history of the Caribbean and, and on the other islands you know, the French uh, colonies and the Spanish colonies uh, this idea of Creole simply means born locally you could be white Creole Euro Creole meaning born in Jamaica okay. um, with Jamaican accents and you can be uh, African or Black um, Creole meaning you know. Um, African descent, but more locally. Um, and so Africans, because they had a tendency to want to rebel, you know, they were not used to being enslaved in their mother countries. And so this idea of enslavement was alien to them and they wanted to break out of it. And often 
you know, throughout the history of the Caribbean and indeed America, North America as well, um, Africans um, were intent on um, bringing the system of enslavement to its knees, um, or at least resisting. Um, however, Creoles um, being born locally became, were more acclimatized to um, their, um, uh, you know, their environment. Mm -hmm. And um, therefore in terms of value were worth more because they were less likely in the opinion of the Euro Creoles to rebel. Um, Africans, again, because they were, you know, um, often came as adults to the island, had to be inducted into new patterns of working, had to learn language, etc., etc. So there was less value on them. You know, it's like having a, if you, you know, view them as chattel, then it's like having, on a, you, know, um, uh, uh, you know, a house or whatever. Um, you know, the more work you have to do to it, the less value it has. So, um, so that, that's the whole thing about African Creole. Um, and from a uh, and from a Euro um, from a Euro Creole perspective, um, it was also about divide and rule. Okay. So there's um, from an African perspective, there's a psychological aspect to this, which says, um, as a Creole, I'm worth more than you because you are primitive. You know, we're educated to believe that Africa, nothing came out of Africa, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So yeah. um, um, you have a whole society structured around colorism. You know, and you know who's who's worth more than, than than others and that is why even today you know there is this there is a tendency to this idea of you know oh immigrants you know yeah. uh, do not have the same status as people who have you know lived their life in a particular country and by right are entitled to privileges that immigrants are not it's that kind of mentality going on here and um, embedded into the dna of society at that time and then we have, you know, because yes, there were people that either were born or died um, in, in slavery. So in the, I guess it's in the column of the remarks, in terms of how, I guess, births or deaths or if sales were purchased in these, um, in these remarks. Yes, um, often, uh, you, uh, yeah, remarks, yeah. I'm just looking down to confirm. Um, you know the consistency between sort of my research and, and, and this okay the remarks column if you look at um, records right across the Caribbean usually um, relates to genealogy actually you know so if you've got a Creole you know somebody who's born locally and um, then you know who their mother was and you would put that in that column um, you know so you see a one-year-old Adam here um, who's black um, age one born locally his mother was Phyllis who was Baptized. I mean, that's the baptism is a bit more information than you know you, you would normally get in that column. Yeah. Certainly, you know. So th these are the nuances here, but you would normally get son of Phyllis, and here we have additional information about Phyllis being baptized, somebody Jones, I think. Right. Oh, I see. Yeah. So here we have Phyllis thrown off a slave name, a diminutive name, for mm -hmm. this new name, somebody Jones. Okay. So um, that's what's going on there. Um, Right, um, and then Phyllis baptized Cecilia White, son of. Okay, that could be another. Oh, that's Priscilla, isn't it? Yeah, that's not. Yeah. yeah, so same thing. Okay, but the remarks column is usually reserved for uh, you know um, Creoles um, uh, indicating who their mother was, so you could get back another generation from you know Africans. Uh, you would be you would never see that for somebody who was um, uh, captured of the coast of Africa. You won't see any remarks like that for them. I do see here 
that there are remarks from Africa here, but it's, you know, registered uh, in St. Mary's uh, in yeah. 1823 by William Salzo. So, you know, that, that's about as much as you'll get. Uh, most of the registers I've seen don't even get that for Africans. But and that would have been probably, I guess, the previous owner to, to this one. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So registered in St. Mary's, so previously owned and probably sold on to this particular plantation, indicating the, the previous owner here, William Kennedy. So I guess they made needed to know that in case they wanted to do any um, audits of, of, mm-hmm. of any sort. I mean, yeah, and, and 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 there is another question in there. Well, why would they want to audit? Um, I will leave that for now because that's not the question you're asking. But um, so um, yeah, and you see that here for this creole. It looks like this creole was probably sold on from other plantation again. So we don't know who their parents were. So they, you know, the family split here going on. Um, yeah. Um, increases okay mm-hmm. um you're just seeing here by birth and decreases by death or you see here manumitted or by sale manumitted simply means they were set free so going back yeah. to oh it's william clark edwards again isn't it mm-hmm. yeah okay yeah so yeah he was not only set free but he chose to throw off his slave name by getting himself baptized and you know off he goes into the higher echelons of society. Yes. Free, free, free Negroes, as I said. So I, I hadn't noticed this before. We'd actually, you know, um, set this up. But there he is. I mean, that, that kind of, you know, if you like, adds weight to what I was saying earlier on. Yeah. Um, he's manumitted. He's thrown off his slave name. He's taken on his baptized name. So when people say, well, my slave name is Edwards. Well, if you go to William Edwards here and say, no, you're not. You know, this was me trying to empower myself here, actually. So, you know, you can call it what you want, but as long as I'm not called Samson or, you know, Caesar or whatever, philanderer, as I've seen before, you know, um, that's my, my, my non-slave name. And, you know, you can view that as you want. Um, so that, that's that. Now, there, there, there is a thing here, um, and I don't know whether, you know, you've picked this up, but um, why increase, why decrease? Yeah. What you have to understand about this particular record that you're looking at, um, which seems like a fuller record, is that this is an update to an original record. The original um, plantation record for um, this plantation here, and I haven't quite caught the name yet, but it will, some, it will be on somewhere here. Yeah. So this is... Um, it's for Mary Edwards in St. Thomas in the Vale. Oh, no. All right. Most, most records will give the name of the plantation, but, okay, mm-hmm. let's call it the Mary Edwards plantation. Um, so... Oh, it actually, yeah. Well, this is, this is a very, I would, I would suggest that this is actually a, a, probably a coffee and pimento plantation. It's a very small plantation, yeah. not given a name. But anyway, um, so what, what is this about? Well, in 1817, um, uh, the owners were required to compile um, a full list of names of everybody on the plantation on the 28th of June, uh, 1817. Okay, so you'll have to go there for the full list. And what the government required um, uh, is that every three years, updates should be pr- produced, indicating if there's an increase, why the increase? Well, it's by birth, usually. Mm-hmm. If there's a decrease, then why the decrease? Usually by death, but could be by sale or, or manumission. So they want to know increase and decrease in numbers. And very quickly, why was that? Well, it's because they were policing the end of the slave trade. So yeah. after 1807, no more Africans um, should have been taken off the west coast of Africa and enslaved in the Caribbean. So the assumption here about every single African on this plantation is that 
um, that disembarked in Jamaica prior to the 1st of April, I think it was, um, uh, 1808. That's when the, you know, the, slave, the end of the slave trade was fully enacted. So, um, so yeah, so it's all about knowing. So these Africans, again, the African Creole colonists, it's all about knowing, okay, if they're African, when did they come on the, onto the plantation? Was it before 1807 or before the 1817 register? Or, was it, or, or did they come into the country afterwards? We want to know, okay, because yeah. we're policing the end of the, the slave trade. Why the British government wants to police the ending is another talk in itself, but that, that's what was the ethos behind it. No, thank you, because uh, most of these indications in the remarks or in the decrease or uh, increase really sometimes can give a clue, as is as in this case where it was either the purchase from said owner, from said previous owner in a different parish, which helps, and as well in terms of someone being manumitted that allows for the if you're researching that particular family member to then go into another document to say, okay, I can look here to see what exactly that manumission, uh, manumission would have entailed in terms of what was actually indicated, who was the owner, and if they actually paid for their own freedom, if that was the case. But um, no, it just gives a, a much better um, indication. You should, you know, take your research to the next step in terms of finding um all these different little clues to kind of piece um, the puzzle together because it does make it a little bit more challenging, especially when you do get to the, sl the actual slave record because usually it's by the actual land itself, the plantation, more people will tend to kind of find that way than, than by finding by um, the individual themselves. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you look at a, a, a document like this, you know, there are signposts all over the place as to where you might look for um, more information. Because mm -hmm. this as well, like, as you said, it, it this documentation really helped, well, assisted in terms of when they made their claims for being uh, compensated for the loss of, um, you know, slavery being ended um, in this case. So this is how the, everything was completely documented in this case, in these special times from 1817, I think it is, or 1813, sorry, to 1834, complete documentation of all peoples that were enslaved onto these plantations so the owners could get their um, value back, so to speak, in terms of dollars or pounds at that time. And would you have any, I guess, any final words that you would say when someone does get to looking at uh, this type of a rent document? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, view, view this document as um, uh, something that will help you um, build your family tree. But also, and I think equally uh, important, is view this document as something that can help you sort of beef up the narrative as to um, how it is that you sort of arrive uh, in this day, in this place, in the condition that, that, that you're in, if you want to sort of add the narrative to what was going on there, then these documents are, are very sort of healthy documents for doing that. So as well as picking off sort of names, dates and places for the family tree, um, you know, the family tree is really, you know, in my view, um, a, a, a sort of um, a record um, of who went before you but also um, a sort of template for helping you tell the story of these, you know, previous generations 
And so um, when you look at a slave register, it's worth sort of um, analysing them um, and trying to sort of fit together a narrative as to, um, and, and in the case of, you know, William Clark here, you know, who was William Clark and what happened to yeah. him? And you can see um, that if you, as you delve, you find out that William Clark was more than Hope just you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, um, please make sure to like, follow, Definitely. subscribe, so and write a review Paul, for the for next coming episode, on and wherever you about, listen to uh, your podcast. Thank you. your expertise on all of this. I really do appreciate your time. Thank you so much. You're welcome.